Well, hello there, and welcome to Mark My Words, where we talk to entrepreneurs about their career transition, their life journey, and of course, where they're at today and how they got there. And today, I am really excited to talk to Roman Miranov. He is a relationship coach, and he has a really interesting story. He immigrated to Canada just a few years ago from an underdeveloped country in Russia. He's been a translator. He has had a really interesting road of ups and downs to get where he is today. And if you watch his content on YouTube, like I've been preparing for this episode, there's no doubt you're going to want to hit play on the next video and the next video and the next video. Really interesting dude. Roman, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on Mark My Words. How are you doing today? Hi, Mark. I'm, I'm excited about our conversation today and it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on Mark My Words. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, it's a real pleasure to have you on here. And as I watch more of your videos, I'm like, man, I want to watch more and I want to know more. So that, to me, has all the makings of a great guest. And you have what I feel embodies when I try to make this podcast all about. You have such an interesting story. You've gone through a lot. Let's start from kind of the beginning. Let's talk about you just growing up. I read somewhere that you said it was kind of like an underdeveloped country in Russia. What was that like? Well, yeah, that's true. Russia is a third world country, to be honest. And even though it's a like huge military power, it's still underdeveloped compared to first world countries. And it was... I mean, at that, at that point, I did not have another reference point in my life. So I didn't know that I was in an underdeveloped country. I just took it for, took it as the normal way of things, studying. And, but, but after I compared, after I started watching American movies, after I started reading American books and European books, I realized that there is, there is a high quality of life that people are living and this is something that I want for myself. Yeah, I mean, for me, on the flip side, working in the field I've been in, I've had to work on a lot of documentaries about very underdeveloped countries and maybe even countries that are very uh, militaristically led. And you can tell in just from those documentaries, and I'm thinking of one in particular, that Lisa Ling did where it was like in North Korea and like they are with the people and the people just don't see what they're missing out on. They only know that way of life. So for me to see that is like really eye-opening and I can only imagine what the flip side of that, how that really touched you. I mean, what, what American movies did you watch that you were like, okay, I want my life to be a little more like that? <laughs> You're going to laugh, but those were action movies. Okay, no, that's yeah. cool. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'm okay. actually a big fan of him. Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> so yes. it wasn't Kindergarten Cop that impacted you. It was something more like Terminator, right? Terminator. Right. right. No, hey, that's cool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We're we're guys. We're supposed to like action movies, I guess. So, no, that's awesome. Uh, so, from there, that was starting to impact you, and you're still living in your country, but I, my impression, based on just reading up on you, is that you still became like an entrepreneur during that time, being a translator. How did that come about? That's right. So I, I studied. So um, in college, my major was English language and literature. But I, when I finished college, I had no idea what I would be. And I was really uncertain. And I did not feel good 
about what was happening to me because I didn't really, I didn't really have a future path in front of me. But luckily enough, I found a company back in my city, which was actually doing translations. And I never realized that translations were, you know, getting so popular and because people were, were able to buy more stuff and because of online because people needed a lot of information on the internet and they wanted that information in their own language. So localization and translation were booming at that point. So I, I, I was employed by this company. I worked there for eight months and then I realized, okay, I can actually go into business for myself. So that's what I did. And th this was a huge transition for me from that uncertainty that I had after finishing college and then to having my own, my own business, actually with a partner that I, that I liked a lot, but that transition was just happened within one year. And I'm so, so grateful for it. And after that, I, I had been a translator for almost 14 years before actually moving to Canada. So do you still do translating on the side or are you just totally focused on being a relationship coach now? I, well, I am totally focused on being a relationship coach and maybe let's say in the last, in the last six months, I did like a couple of hours of translation. So going back to those days, when you became, well, first of all, when you went to school for translation, I mean, it looks like you had, um, basically, I'm, I'm looking at LinkedIn, you put English language and literature as your, you know, your, your major, but did you study anything else? Is it like, because I know in America, they make you study all kinds of stuff and do all kinds of stuff. And then, oh, yeah, you have your major, too. Did, was it just focused on your major and that's it? Or did you have to, like, become an, a well-rounded person? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good question, Mark. Yeah, we had a lot of different subjects, including philosophy, of course, physical training, linguistics, liter Russian literature, history, and whatnot. Really, really, that was that was the idea because I was I was studying to become actually a teacher of English language and literature. And as a teacher, as a potential teacher, I had to develop like, yeah, like, like you said, be a well-rounded person so that I could teach my students to be the same. Yeah, that's really interesting because I know every country has a different philosophy and i know let's say in germany they make you think about what you're going to be at an early age and they try to you know build you up to be that particular thing for your whole life so it's really interesting to hear there's a little bit of a similarity there did you think growing up that that was a career path you were going to take or was there something else you wanted to do? No, I had no idea about my career path. It actually, it actually developed as I was moving. So when I went to college, I had no idea that I wanted to be a teacher and probably no, probably no, because teachers don't get really paid too much in Russia. And I don't feel that, this, this profession is really respected at this point because for this very reason, that the wage is very low. And, but after, after I finished college, I, I became employed as a translator by this company. And then after eight months, I, I went to, as, as I said, create my own business. And so the path was sort of uncovering in front of me as I, I took those steps. So when you took the step to create your company, were there any like learning curves? Was it really simple for you to do that? What did you learn during that experience of 
the first time around of being an entrepreneur? Well, the, the most important lesson was, was that I was too much of a workaholic and that actually ruined my, it ruined my first company. With this company, we, uh, we founded it with my partner and I was a workaholic and he, he was a hard worker, but not a workaholic. And at that point he actually got married. So he wanted to spend quite a lot of time with his wife. Whereas I had a girlfriend, but my entire focus was on work. So I, I, I made it my job to work huge hours, like 15 hours or 16 hours every day. And I wanted to translate every text by myself. So I was sort of setting high standards for myself and wanted to pursue them all the time. I wanted to hit those records. And that resulted in, in the fact that my partner did not feel good about it because he didn't want to work 16 hours per day. So this created tension between us. That's one thing. And on the other hand, I, I felt resentment building up in, in me towards him because I thought that I, I could do much better by myself because I actually had this, you know, this, this willingness to work a lot, whereas he didn't. So I started to think about leaving him and that's what I eventually did. And I think that this was, this was a mistake. So you feel like even though you were carrying the load, that it was a mistake because you still had somebody to fall back on when it was a collaborative environment. Yeah, that is true. And uh, I, I do believe that it's the, the direction that I was taking was was basically incorrect because I wanted to translate myself. I wanted to be the operator of the business, not the owner. And he was always suggesting that we should go the owner path and actually delegate, delegate and delegate to other people as much as possible so that we can actually grow our company instead of focusing on just the work that we can do between the two of us. Interesting. So that that's a part of your story I obviously do not know. I know there's another aspect of your story that plays in as well. And I don't know if you're wanting to talk about that or not, but uh, I know you talk about a little bit about your marriage and the role that all that was playing and really kind of developed into eventually your idea for where you're at now as a relationship coach. So I guess I'll hate to use the word inspiration, but a lot of the inspiration for what you're doing now was rooted in that. At least that's the impression I'm getting. So wondering if you want to talk a little bit about that part of your story and how all of that developed. I know you went to the Tony Robbins School of Coaching for a while, and that help to kind of bring you to where you're at. So kind of put the puzzle together for me here and tell us uh, how all of this came to fruition. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make a short of it. I got married in 20, 2007 and got divorced in 2013. And one of the problems that led to my divorce was, again, I was a workaholic and I did not really have any relationship skills. I was thinking of my wife as she was, as if, as if she were a man, really. So I treated her like a man because I didn't know the difference between masculinity and femininity. So what happened as a result of me being at work all the time was that there we created tension between us we started we stopped communicating properly and she got really fed up with it and filed for a divorce and that's what 
this is the result that I got after after years of being a workaholic and after years of ne actually neglecting my relationship. And after that, 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 was a, that was a very painful moment, let me tell you. And I realized two things. So yeah, first of all, I did not have the relationship skills. The time, the time that I should have been developing them back in my teens, I spent being very shy and not talking to girls. So I did not know what girls are about. And the second thing I realized, okay, now I'm 32 and I need to actually put myself out there and get back to the dating world, even though this is uncomfortable. And to do that, I also need to develop dating skills and relationship skills. Otherwise I won't be, be able to even communicate, even to approach a, a woman. So I did that. I spent the next about five or six years actually talking to women, understanding them better and learning all those dating and relationship skills. And after that, after moving to Canada, I realized that, okay, now I have invested so much time into this. And now that I understand the skills so much better, I can actually become a, a coach and help people with that. And I tried, I experimented with this. I see that I actually can help people in this area. And that's why I'm doing it full time now. So what was it about like the Tony Robbins school that made you think, wow, okay, this is something that I can do. What, what exactly did you learn there? Okay, I chose I chose his school because I I'm a big fan, and the reason why I'm I'm such a big fan of Tony Robbins is that his tools uh, helped me beat a mild depression about ten years ago, and so I'm a big believer in what he teaches, and and basically a big believer in self development and personal growth. So what I learned. In, in the course, in this official course, official Tony Robbins program is a lot about actually, yes, relationships and how as a coach, I can actually help people. And one thing that he teaches that I like is this system of six human needs, which allow us to actually look at, at a person's behavior and see why he does what he does or she does what she does. and actually show them, explain to them what's happening in their life, what's the reason through those needs. And then also show them better ways to meet their needs. So you're not only dealing with people that are currently in relationships, you're also helping people who might be single, might be dealing with issues that are helping them from having healthier relationships to develop those skills, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, those are two big categories. The first one is people with relationship issues. And the second one, people who want to find love, who feel lonely and who realize that it's true. It's true that without a good relationship in our life, it's, it's pretty difficult to be happy. Yeah, no, it, it can be. So what was it this time that made you want to start up this company and what were the challenges, if any? Yeah, well, one big reason for me to switch from translation to coaching is that, is that I feel that with artificial intelligence, the translation is is becoming less of a you know lucrative field because you know artificial intelligence is simply replacing human translators and oftentimes i would say a lot of a lot of new translators and even professional translators who have been working for a long time they don't they they can't compete with artificial intelligence and that was one reason. Another reason was that I, I felt that I could actually 
help people with this. I, I went through the process myself from being basically knowing nothing about relationships to understanding them better, being able to help other people with that. And another big reason is that as a fan of self-improvement as like what I call a self-development junkie, I, I feel fantastic when I'm able to help people make positive changes in their life. That was, that was a big reason. And the main challenge in starting this, this business is marketing. Yeah, because the space is very, it's pretty crowded. There's quite a lot of competition in it. And so it makes it difficult to actually reach your, reach your potential clients because there is, there is so much information out there. So you seem like you have a lot of like self-awareness. Did you use that self-awareness to kind of coach yourself out of being depressed? Because I know I read somewhere that you, you know, were depressed, you were struggling. And I feel like you have so much self-awareness. Did you talk to somebody about some of the things you were going through? Or was it just all of the self awareness and study and you just gain clarity that way how how was how did that come about for you right yeah that's a good question my first my first depression was back in 2008 and it was because my my dog had died tragically and i i loved that dog so much and i was such a perfectionist at that time that i just could not simply live with the thought that everything had been so good before before this death and then it changed so I, I could not accept that change and I did not use any professional help and one reason is that I'm a guy <laughs> and guys don't think think that they can actually resolve all their issues by themselves which is a problem in and of itself and in Russia People don't do therapy. People don't do coaching. One reason is that they just don't have money for that. And another reason is it's, it's not in our culture because let's say if you think about North American culture, you could say that this is, this has been a therapy culture for quite a few years now, but it, it's not the same thing with Russia. So yeah, what I did was basically resorting to self-awareness and really trying to understand how I felt and being an outside observer, making sure that I don't identify myself with those thoughts, with the depressive thoughts. So really like stepping out of my head, that was one thing. And the second thing, I kept bombarding my mind with positive information, with all all the personal growth materials I could get my hands on. And this feeding my mind with this positive, positive and motivating stuff really, really helped because I believe that this is how we program ourselves. Right. I mean, let me just say that I kind of grew up in a similar situation where going to a therapist was at least... I feel from where I came from was viewed a little bit taboo, like, oh, that's weird. Psychiatrists and therapists are weird. You don't do that. You just stuff everything down and figure it out yourself. And I'm a very independent guy, so I still kind of do that. But there's been two times in my life now where I went to a therapist and one of those times was actually last year during the pandemic and just everything going on. I was working in an environment where all I was hearing about was the pandemic and everything going on, going wrong with the world. And that was really hard in addition to trying to start up this podcast and trying to build myself up. It was just so much. And I actually almost decided to stop doing this show, but it was actually going to the therapist and the coach for 
however many weeks I did it, it was like a nine-week program. That is actually a big reason why you and I are here today, because they were like, you know, it sounds like your show and your concept is a really good idea. You should keep doing it. Like, what are you doing? Don't stop. And they were very positive, and it kind of got me out of the funk that I think a lot of us were going through because, well, it was 2020. And then the other time was just me never talking about things I went through when I was growing up because I went through a, a whole lot and didn't really talk about it. I was just taught not to talk about anything. I went to the therapist and it really kind of helped me to cleanse myself of a lot of that. I mean, it doesn't all go away and you have a white picket fence life and everything's perfect, but I think it helped me to move on a little bit and it just helped to cleanse myself. So that's what I got out of being a patient with a therapist. So I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can relate to the stigma and how taboo that might be to go to a therapist. Yes. And I so much respect you for breaking this taboo in your life and seeing the positive results from it and actually sticking with the podcast. Good job. Well, I appreciate that. And it's that positive energy that I loved in your videos. So you just every video, you're just like, all energy, very positive. I, I loved watching your videos. And I know that that's only one aspect of what you do. What are some other aspects of your coaching and what you're doing today? Mm, another aspect is, is actually helping a person make a transformation that, that is important to them. Let's take an example of a woman who came to me uh, about a few a few months ago, and she felt that her her husband was was becoming distant, and not just distant. He actually told her at one point that he's going to leave, and he set a date. He, he set a date for for the day when he wanted to separate. He wanted to leave home, and she came to me and asked, well, "Okay, what should I do? What should I do?" and I helped her. I helped her to really think differently. I told her, okay, so he is pulling away and you basically need to mirror his behavior. Don't, don't push him. Just be kind, be loving, give love unconditionally, but don't make him feel responsible to love you back. So just give him your love and that's it. And she'll listen and just just as I thought he would, he was able to recover and he came back and now everything is, is pretty much the same as it was before this whole thing started. So listening to her talking about these results and how she was able to actually save her marriage, whereas if she, if she had you know, chosen a different way to, to treat this, let's say, if she had scolded her husband or tried to push him to, to come back, instead of developing that unconditional love attitude, that warm attitude and being understanding, that would have been a very different result. Well, it seems like a lot of your work is to try to help heal relationships and to bring people back together are there any situations where you've been like okay i'm not really sure this approach is gonna work maybe breaking up is better have have you ever been faced with a situation like that yes definitely and oftentimes well i won't i shouldn't say oftentimes but sometimes it is really really healthier to break up and what I usually do is I give my client a 90-day challenge. I tell them, okay, we're going to practice unconditional love for 90 days, not expecting anything in return. And if that doesn't work, 
then you have a right and maybe even a responsibility not to hang on to this relationship any longer because it's not going to work out. So that's why it's, it's better to break up. And sometimes that's the only answer. I mean, I know just from my own experiences that you put 110% in, you work, you work, you work. Sometimes the other person doesn't put in the work, but they don't really want to tell you that their mind is somewhere else. And sometimes when it hits that point, best thing to do is to just move on. That's true. It's sad and oftentimes this is not necessary because you can actually save the relationship because what, no, what often happens is that a person cannot sustain a relationship because of their own issues. And when they go into a different relationship, they just carry over those issues into the new relationship. Let's say they want to change the partner because they don't like something in their partner. And it's very likely that the next person that they find will have the same, the same quote unquote problems. And the way to deal with these problems is to actually eradicate them in yourself by becoming more accepting. And that, well, that's the answer. Right. And I mean, when you talk about some of this stuff, I think about my first real relationship where I felt like we probably could have salvaged the relationship and fixed it. And I worked so hard just to like ask the right questions and to, you know, back off, to be a little more pushy about it. And they just did not want to open up. And I'm like, well, if they're not going to open up, like, what, what else can I do? So sometimes it's just from my personal experience, it's like sometimes like the best way to just be healthy for yourself, unfortunately, sometimes it's just throwing a towel and it sucks. I wish that people would view it more the way you do, where like, look, there is a way to heal and to bring everybody together again on the same page, but not everybody wants that for some reason, and it boggles my mind. It's like, well, what, what are we doing then? Like, what? I, I guess I'm pretty passionate about some of this stuff. I don't know, but yeah, I that's why I love what you're doing. I think your attitude about it is really great. Yeah, well, thank you. And how long have you been married? I am going on five years this year. That's good. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I believe that all that experience that you, you've been talking about, it actually is the thing that helps you be a, a great partner in this, in this marriage. Well, Hey, you should give a lot of the credit to my wife too. I mean, she's pretty great too. And I know this, this is like the one relationship where I feel like both parties are working equally as hard to keep each other happy and to listen and understand and it it can happen it is possible to meet somebody who will be an equal partner and really great and uh yeah I, I mean it took me till I was in like my 30s I always tell people one thing I always tell people is don't have a serious relationship until you're in your 30s because I feel like by the time we're in our 30s, that's when we really start to know ourselves and to really grow as people. Because I feel like when we're in our teens and 20s, I mean, yeah, we should be having fun. And I tried to unsuccessfully have fun back in those days. It's hard to be somebody who has kind of values I feel like I have, but still have some fun and it's hard to like get on the same page, but I feel like once you hit your 30s, I feel like everybody starts to get on that same page. And maybe I grew up in the wrong place. I don't know, but that's what I learned. I always tell people, wait till you're in your 30s and then get married. I'm probably like an old soul in that 
way. Like maybe I sound like an old man, but <laughs> look, there is mm, there is wisdom in his words, definitely. It's not it's not black and white, right? But no. there is there is definitely uh, a good point here because especially for men, we need to mature. We need to, and as we mature, we become less selfish and we actually start caring about people around us way more. And this is what is required for a good relationship because otherwise you are not really putting your relationship first. I, I, I don't say that you have to put it first, but it should be one of your priorities. But take me. Back in my 20s, it was, it was definitely not a priority for me. All the time, work and getting like feeling significant were way more important priorities for me. So you're right, right? To build a great relationship, to be really a partner who can appreciate the, the other person and really to make them feel happy in the relationship and give love unconditionally, yeah, you want that maturity under your belt. So one thing from your site that sticks out to me and just reading the, how I don't know what page this is, it might be the about you or the testimonial, but you say one of the things that you do is help people recover from a breakup and move on quickly. That is easier said than done, I think. What is it about what you do that helps people to recover and move on quickly? I, the one thing that I believe helps most is to change your focus. When normally when people break up and usually the person who is in most pain is the one who has been dumped. And that person focuses on the pain of the breakup and starts to come up with all these ideas about how it could have been different, the regrets, the mistakes that they made. And this is not helpful. It is crucial to shift that focus from living in the past to actually moving into the future. And one way to do so is what I call a new project. So you want to start doing something else that will occupy your headspace. And that could be something very, very, very different from, you know, from like for different people, that would be a different thing. Someone will take up a new hobby. Another person would take a course and learn a new skill. Another person would go and find another, someone else immediately. It doesn't really matter. It matters that what matters is that you put the focus on the future and on something new, not dwelling on the past. That's the best thing. It's like, just, just, just like a metaphor. Imagine a, an infant or a, a real small kid. And let's say they, they fall down and they hurt a knee and they start crying. But when, let's say, you, you cuddle them, you give them some, some comfort, and then you give them a toy, and they immediately stop crying. They immediately shift their focus from the pain to the toy, and they forget about the pain. And basically, the same thing works for us adults as well. Right. So... You're, I feel like maybe this sticks out to me because I feel like I'm one of those people. So I have a really long memory. So I kind of remember a lot of stuff. I can remember back to when I was like two, three years old. I can remember the good, the bad, and the same with relationships. I almost had to like train myself to stop holding on to things so much and to just stop holding grudges and to look a little more into the future. I think that the first round of therapy I had 
I guess that was like eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago. I think that really helped me to train myself and give the therapist some credit. They helped train me as well to maybe be a little more in the present and in the future. And it's not easy to do. It's really, really hard. And I guess other than maybe the positive reinforcement, what else can be done to just kind of get yourself forward thinking and thinking about the present and the future? Taking action. Taking action and taking massive action. This is what creates change in our nervous system, in our entire body and in our outlook. When we do that, we will really shift. Like our mind wants, wants something to focus on. And if you sit, sit around and you, you're grieving about your past relationship, you, you don't give it something new that it could focus on. But when you get up and you start doing something new, something else, that's where the focus goes automatically. It actually, our mind wants to go into something. It doesn't, it doesn't like to feel the same, the same emotion all the time. So when you see it and you feel, you feel pain for a long time, your mind will want to shift to something new. So use that, take advantage of that and give it, give a new project to it. So with all this great stuff that you've learned in building up this company, what have you learned that has helped you just as an entrepreneur this time around? I would say use use video more, both in, in my work. So since I work in online, I, I shifted almost 100% from audio, like phone calls, phone calls, coaching to video, Zoom and whatnot. And the second thing is that I, I use video more in my marketing. And that's, let's say that's YouTube or Instagram. So I rely on video more and I like it. I like it. I like video more than text, even I, though I. I think you're very good on video. I watch quite a few of the videos that you have on your YouTube page leading up to this episode. And frankly, I wanted to watch more. I'm like, maybe he can wait like 10 more minutes because this is really interesting. And I know that you're, you're tackling a lot of issues that are very mainstream and things that everybody, you know, can relate to and know about. But you also tackle some stuff that's a little more taboo. And I'm curious to know what kind of inspired you to tackle that and make that a part of what you do. Because you're really like an all-encompassing relationship coach. I feel like you there aren't many topics you don't cover. Well, one of the taboo topics that I cover is porn and masturbation. And there are two reasons to it. The first reason is that I, I feel, and I know actually that porn is really destructive for relationships and marriages. And the second reason is that I went through porn addiction myself and I was able to get rid of it and, that made me relate to, to people with the same problem better and knowing their situation and knowing how to help them better. No, that's, that's amazing. I mean, when I started really digging in, I couldn't help but think about somebody I dated very briefly who they were really cool and, you know, we had a really good time together, but they kept, kind of like pushing me because I I am like the complete opposite of somebody who's into like porn like that's just not my thing at all it's never has been it's just doesn't really interest me but this one woman that I dated just kept pushing for me to partake and I was just like yeah, that, that doesn't really interest me. And I kept trying to brush it off, but they kept like trying to push it. 
I'm just like, well, I don't know if this is going to work. If you're like this into it, like, I don't think this is going to work because I'm just like, it, it's just not for me. It's not my thing. So I guess without really diving into too much detail, I'm almost kind of wondering if, if they themselves had an addition to it, which I didn't, I never really thought of it that way. But I mean, I know you can't answer that really because you don't know the person, but it just made me think of that time in my life where, you know, it's it's just weird for me because that's just not how my mind is wired. I'm not really, it's, it was never something I was interested in, but they were like determined to get me interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's exactly what I was saying. And this is one way porn destroys relationships because one one partner likes it, the other one doesn't, and then the, the other partner gets upset about it because he, he or she doesn't want to be pushed and he or she actually gets jealous because the other person is watching porn and maybe even going into... Yeah, another problem with porn is that it its intensity gets to increase over time because when you watch one type of porn, you feel that okay, that's, that's good enough for now. But soon enough, you, dis, you get desensitized to it and you want more intensity. And this, this is what leads you to a pretty, pretty dark alley at which can be detrimental to the relationship. Yeah, I mean, I totally feel those words 100% because I think if it wasn't for that, at the very least, I think, our relationship would have lasted longer than, I don't know, I think we were together for like two months or so. It was a whirlwind summer of 2008 or so, I think. And, uh, you know, this is somebody who treated me really nicely. Like, they they took me to a Paul McCartney concert. Like, why wouldn't I want to date somebody taking me to a Paul McCartney concert? Like, that's amazing. But then they just had this other side that they were trying to push, but also weren't really talking about either and were being kind of like aloof and secretive. It was very weird for me. It was just like after a month or two, I'm like, all right, I know they just did some really cool things for me, but this is just, I'm, I'm out. Like, this is just not, this is weird for me. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Because Especially because this was a woman. And yeah. based on my experience and my practice, it is when women are into porn and especially in a way like this, where they push the partner to do something about it and to do something with them, that is more weird than for men because men are more naturally wired for porn because they like the visual component. But for women, this is different. They like the emotional component better, the emotional component of sex. And porn doesn't have it. So when a woman gets addicted to porn, that is, well, that, that is more complicated than for the man. Yeah, I, I guess that's just something I never really was a part of my culture. Maybe I'm a little too much of a goody two-shoes. I don't know, but it was just all too weird. And I know... When I saw all of that in your on your YouTube, your fantastic YouTube page, I was like, man, I have to throw that into the dialogue because I wanted your perspective on that and really to just show just how all-encompassing and deep. I mean, you're really covering everything on the surface, below the surface, and in between. And I think what you're doing as an entrepreneur is really cool and really great. I think you have a really great perspective and uh, yeah, it's fantastic what you're doing. And I keep looking up at the clock. I know you have somewhere you gotta be. So I'm gonna throw it to you and ask you if somebody's out there listening and they want to get your services for anything, whether it's, on the surface, below the surface, taboo, not taboo. How can they get your services? How can, how can they reach out? Yeah. 
please go to my website, which is romanmiranov.com, spelled as R-O-M-A-N-M-I-R-O-N-O-V.com. Hit the contact tab, sign up for a free coaching session with me, and make sure, make sure to let me know that you're coming off Mark my words and I'll be happy to give you a 30% discount. Or if you don't feel like talking to me, like from the get-go, you can actually hop on my newsletter and we'll go from there. Yeah. And I, again, I also want to again, plug your YouTube channel. I found your videos to be so entertaining and informative and well put together. Are you doing all that editing? No. No, no? I, I have a, yeah, a small team helping me. Oh, so you do have a team. Yeah. I did not know that. So is this different from the translator job where uh, did you have a team back then? I mean, those are different teams. That team was, was all about translation, translators, editors, whereas this team that I have now, well, which is basically a couple a couple people one does web design i'll say three people web design graphic design and video editing okay so you did have a team for both jobs it wasn't just all you the first time around okay cool well that's another thing that's different i would ask you more about that but i want to give you a chance to go on to your next thing so thank you roman for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on this show it was amazing it was a very fun conversation and yeah i i loved uh, learning about you and your journey so thanks for being here thank you so much mark it's just been an honor to be with you all right everybody this was roman miranov relationship coach i am mark schmidt of mark my words and i will be back very soon with a new episode Thank you very much for listening, and bye for now.